0: Hi everybody. So uh, this isn't the start of my story. Um, I'm probably not even sure I'm going to tell you all this but I'm going to anyway. So it's a bit of an emotional one for me tonight because um, I am currently undertaking a gender transition too and I have just been given the okay to start testosterone therapy. So What that essentially means is that this is potentially the last time I will tell a story sounding like I do now. So it's kind of sort of my goodbye to my, my female voice tonight. So, uh, so yes, there we go. Anyway, um, so I always like to give everything a title. This one is called uh, Losing Jane. So I need to go back to the Boxing Day that we've just had and it's, it's kind of late and I'm in bed. Um, just watching rubbish on my phone eating too much and I suddenly get a message through. Now you know sometimes when you get those messages where it's either from somebody or it's just you know a funny time but it kind of unsettles you. Well this was one of those It was from um, my friend's sister and all it said was has anybody spoken to you about Jane? Now I met Jane when I was 12. Her dad owned a newsagent and I got a paper round there. And uh, she was a couple of years older than me but we kind of hit it off anyway. And as we got older I worked in the shop more and we pretty much saw each other every single day. We bonded over the fact that our job was really crap and customers were really annoying. We got drunk at work all the time. I remember one memory of us sitting in the stockroom, gargling the carpenters and trying to guess which one it was that we were, <laughs> that we were actually gargling. Um, and, yeah, you know, we used to, we used to go out at the night time or we'd sit up till, like, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, drinking lots, smoking lots, listening to Hazel O'Connor's Will You, um, just, like, on repeat, just kind of talking about everything. And we just had one of them kind of really solid friendships. So over the years, we kind of saw each other through, you know, lots of different situations. And um, Jane wasn't the best at picking men, okay? And the last relationship she kind of had while she lived in Clacton was, you know, she never really told me just how abusive it was, but I know he was really, really controlling So about three years ago, she said to me, I can't can't handle this anymore. I am going to leave him. I'm going to move to Peterborough to be with my family. And, you know, I was really sad because I was losing this friend that I've, you know, I've had for like over 25 years, you know. And although she wouldn't be that far, I still wasn't going to see her every day. But I was also you know, relieved that she was getting away from, from this guy. So she, she moved and um, she kind of started her life afresh. She lost six stones, she gave up smoking, she met a new man, she got a grandchild. And, and Jane was really happy and that was really great. Now, I'd heard a few things that Jane wasn't very well. I'd heard um, somebody mentioned rheumatoid arthritis, something to do with breathing problems. But that was it really. Me and her never really spoke about it. And then I got this message. So it turns out that Jane was a lot sicker than anybody knew and that Jane had basically days to live. Um, The family had kept it just within themselves. Jane hadn't wanted anybody to know. And um, she'd actually had to be resuscitated, uh, October just gone. But they managed to kind of get her back from that but then she signed a do not resuscitate and so you know her sister was like if you want to come say goodbye you know you're the one person we know that she would want there you you know time is against you you've got to get up here in the next day or two so the next day i left for peterborough now i've always said to a lot of people that i kind of feel like i missed a lot of the milestones of becoming an adult so um I never went to university. I've never had my own place. Uh, not been married, engaged. I don't have children. You know, and they're all kind of markers for me of of adulthood. But driving up there that day felt like I reached one of those those kind of you know markers of being an adult. Now, her sister had warned me that you know Jane was on a massive concoction of drugs, so she. You know she probably wouldn't know who i was there was a lot of wires and everything and to just kind of be prepared now i was prepared for all the wires but as i walked in that room and jane was sat in a chair opposite me i was not prepared for kind of it was like although i'd made it in time it's like my friend had already gone um She kind of barely recognised me. I remember sitting next to her and kind of just, you know, looking at how different her hands were, you know, and I'd looked at her hands so many times, either holding a drink or a cigarette or something. And it it was like they weren't her hands. And I tried to kind of, you know, make a few jokes and try to talk to her and just trying to get that connection back. But, sorry. Because I think she was on a lot of sedatives and things just to make everything more comfortable. And I remember, like, kind of really selfishly thinking I wanted to, like, beg sort of, you know, the nurses and doctors to just just shut off all the drugs just for five minutes so that I could get that connection with my friend back, you know, so I could say goodbye to to my friend properly. Of course, you know, I couldn't. Now, I'd brought some photos with me um, of kind of, you know, years gone by of us mainly drunk and um, I was kind of like showing them to her and sort of talking and there, there wasn't really much recognition and then all of a sudden one of them kind of made her laugh and there was like this deluded moment in my mind where I thought "This it, these photos are going to get Jane back, you know, this, this is all this is going to go away and I'm going to have her back and she reached out her hand and I remember passing the photos to her. And just, I, I just can't get this vision out of my head, but as I put them in her hands, they just like slipped through her fingers onto the floor. And it was almost like, just like she couldn't hang on to life anymore, you know, and, and everything we had was just, was just falling on the floor. Um, so I stayed about an hour, and then I thought, right, you know, I, I want to leave the family to have their time. But how do you say goodbye to somebody when you know it is literally the last time, you know. And, you know, me and Jane had always kind of, you know, said goodbye kind of how, you know, mates do. It would always be, you know, a joke about me not, you know, throwing up all the booze with drunk or could I bring her some cigarettes into work the next morning? Or I used to call her Janus and I always <laughs> used to make a very inappropriate little rhyme about Janus, Janus likes it up there. And then I'd wave and, and that would be <laughs> our goodbye. And I thought, well, I, mean, I can't do that now. So um, I actually don't remember what I said to her. I, I was not there. But I remember that I did take her hand and she looked at me and she just said, take care. And I remember thinking, we've never said that. Don't tell me to take care because that means there is something different about today. We've never said take care. Say something really inappropriate to me. Just, Just don't say that. So anyway, I left, I went home. I didn't really talk to anybody about it. And then um, I got a message on New Year's Day to say that Jane had um, lost her battle and had passed away um, in the the early hours of New Year's Day. And this this kind of next bit, it kind of all came from me, but it was like, I almost felt like I couldn't really go on about it to people. I've, I've got a lot of friends. Who have lost very close family members or they've got very close family members that are unwell and I almost felt like there was this kind of hierarchy of loss and because Jane was a friend and not like a blood relative that I almost just had to kind of suck it up and just deal with it by myself so I just didn't talk about it and I just put it you know far far away and just just got on with things Uh, my OCD got really, really bad. I uh, put on like ten pounds in two weeks for just, just comfort eating, and then I was just really angry, just at everybody. And I'm, I'm not an angry person. And I, I kind of thought, well, what is, what is going on? Why am I so, you know, short tempered? And it was then that I realised that I hadn't really allowed myself to, to grieve for the loss of this, this friend of nearly thirty years. It had been, because I felt like I couldn't, and. I think you know over the past couple of months I've kind of come to terms with you know just how much I lost and that it isn't uh, for me anyway it's not you know what what brings us together because of our DNA or our genetics and stuff it's it's what's in here that brings us together. Mm True Stories Live is a story show and story finding project brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. For more information about all of the work that we do, head to our website, truestorieslive.co.uk. We're super grateful to be supported by Arts Council England, Norfolk County Council and Writer Centre Norwich.